You're listening to Decay Mag Sessions. Exclusive interview. Filmmaker Natasha Pisetta. Welcome to Decay Mag Sessions, Episode 6. I'm your host, Ken Artuz, founder, DK Mag. You can find us on the web at DK Mag, D E C A Y M A G dot com. And please remember, we are not DK Magazine or DK or the letter D and K. We are DK Mag. DK Mag Sessions focuses on the many contributors to the horror genre, be it directors, producers, screenwriters, and or music composers. Each week, we present an interview with industry leaders and also rising stars in the field of horror cinema. In appreciation of Women in Horror Month, we'll be showcasing the many talents leading the field of film production, from established filmmakers to rising stars. DK Mag will shed a spotlight on the many female visionaries that are transforming the landscape of horror cinema. In DK Mag Sessions, Episode 6, I had the pleasure of speaking with first-time filmmaker Natasha Passetta. Her upcoming film, Road Trash, is completing post-production. The synopsis to Road Trash reads as follows. Road Trash is a short horror film about a girl who is addicted to burying roadkill. One day, she unknowingly buries a werewolf. The burial incites the beast and he escapes from his grave to stalk the girl around the town she lives in. Chaos ensues. Natasha Passetta, alongside her partner and musician slash film composer James Malone, is spearheading this horror short. Visit DK Mag for our initial analysis of this film. Our trailer first impressions. Road Trash will circulate in the 2018 film festival calendar. We'll be providing updates on screenings as it develops. In my conference with Pacheta, which is her first interview discussing road trash, she delves into the hardships surrounding road trash, her first film. Pacheta also talks about pursuing creative dreams and dedication toward goals. Once again, you are listening to DK Mag Sessions, episode 6. And without further ado, here is my interview with Natasha Passetta. Uh, thank you very much for your time. Uh, 
today and we'll be discussing your upcoming film Road Trash. Thanks so much for having me, Ken. You're welcome. And to kick off our interview, I'd like to start off with a bit of a origin story. We set aside a couple of minutes and let the audience know where you came from, your growing, your schooling, uh, anything you want to toss in there, your career, and everything leading up to road trash. Sure. Um, well, I've loved horror movies ever since I was a little girl. Uh, I can distinctly remember for my sixth birthday, my parents got me Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas. And immediately I was drawn to the imagery. I love Jack Skellington. Just the scary images that a lot of six-year-old girls probably shouldn't be into. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I loved everything about it. And that just kind of cascaded into all genres of horror. Um, and it's funny, I actually, I grew up and uh, I do work in the entertainment industry, um, but I work uh, on the news side. So I deal with reality and, and real life all day. And um, it's, it's not a huge passion of mine, but I, I do enjoy it. Um, but last year, uh, I met my boyfriend, James, and he is actually the music composer, and uh, he plays a huge role in the movie. Um, and he loves horror movies. And so it was kind of this thing where our favorite thing to do is watch horror movies at night. And we're both, yeah, I would say pretty creative people, and I wanted to work on a project with him. And so we were like, we can do this. Like, let's, let's try to make a horror movie. Um, and so that kind of kicked it off. And uh, here we are a year later in post-production. And it's, it's really cool to just see how an idea that came to us sitting on a couch is actually you know, going to be something real. Um, and I, I'm just, I, I'm just so happy that it's coming together. Great, thank you for that. And you mentioned you you work on the news side. I think the re, the reality gives us more horror than horror films itself. I'm telling you, you turn on the news and all you see is tragedies. It's very that <laughs> is something yeah. happy. Yes, um, and it it gets grating. It does. Um, and anything you see on the news is way more shocking and and tragic and scary than you know, any horror movie could hope to convey. So, um, and I needed to break from it. <laughs> I, ne I needed to uh, explore um, the fantastic and, and just live in that world for a little bit. And um, it, it's been a great uh, diversion for me to do in my off time. <laughs> cool. Cool. That's great. Um, were there any difficulties that you have seen? Because coming up with the idea is one thing, sitting on the couch, but then jumping into the film production aspect itself, uh, were there any uh, times I say, okay, th this is getting a little bit complicated. Let's step away from it for a while and let's reflect and let's get back to this. Absolutely. Uh, there were times where I would just break down during the process and you know, 
cry to my boyfriend, be like, I can't do this. This is, you know, way too difficult. And um, there were a lot of roadblocks. Uh, Just someone like myself, I have never made a short film before. I have never written a short film before. I've never produced a short film before. (laughs) Um, So I'm going into this blind completely. And you know what? Every time I hit a roadblock, I just was like, you know what? Just push through it. Um, you know, this can come together. It's, it has, it's 99% perseverance. And I would say 1% luck doing anything, um, you know, that you set your mind to. And yeah, there were a, a lot of, you know, struggles, um, just convincing an entire town. We, we shot road trash, um, in Mineral Walk, Texas which is a very sleepy town about an hour and a half outside of Dallas. And it's my favorite place on earth. And it actually used to be a huge health um, resort in the thirties and forties. And there's this hotel there and you you'll see it from miles away. It's called the Baker hotel. And it's the only thing that is really taller than two, two stories and all of mineral wells. And it's a gorgeous, gorgeous building. Um, And it's been abandoned since 1972. And I really wanted to shoot road trash uh, around and inside of the Baker Hotel. Um, And that was, you know, one of the main, you know, uh, sticks of the movie was that we would be in this beautiful, grand, like deteriorating hotel. and I had the green light from the developer early on. He was on board. He was like, I think the project's great. You know, you have my blessing. I'll even waive the uh, rental fee of $1,000 for you. Um, the only thing is you need to get permission from the police chief to shoot inside the hotel, just, you know, to cover safety and everything. And so I'm like, oh, okay, I'm in the clear. Like, this is great. I have the developer's blessing. You know, he's not going to charge me. Um, All I have to do is get an okay from the police chief. Well, (laughs) the police chief was not on board. And um, (laughs) yes. And I even, I put on my suit and I went to meet with him and I challenged him and, you know, said that, you know, this is, you know, very, it's integral to my film that it be shot inside the Baker Hotel and he just wouldn't budge. And looking back, I completely understand his reasoning. He doesn't want anyone to get hurt. They already have problems with people breaking into the hotel all the time. Um, So I get it. I I don't harbor any ill will against him. Um, But, you know, it was a big disappointment to myself and and everyone involved because that was one of the big selling points to uh, the crew also that I hired. They were very interested in shooting inside the Baker Hotel. Um, But we were able to find a workaround. We found um, our friends who own a coffee shop across the street from the hotel. Uh, They are also in a historic building and their upstairs was an old boarding house. So we shot uh, exterior shots of the Baker and used their boarding house as the interior. Ah, that Um, is clever. <laughs> so you you would actually never know if you've never been inside the Baker Hotel, which most people haven't. <laughs> um, but it was, you know, it hurt. It really hurt. That was a big struggle early on. Um, 
and just getting, you know, people on board with, you know, I'm a nobody coming to them. I don't, I'm also a stranger. These aren't my friends or family and asking them to help me make this werewolf movie sounds kind of crazy. (laughs) Uh, And it was a very humbling experience. Um, You know, just asking for permission to use locations. You know, we used the inside of a movie theater. Uh, We used a cemetery. Um, You know, you, you don't think about those things when you're watching a movie like, oh, you know, did they have to get permission and, you know, pay to use these places? You just don't think about it. But when you embark on the filmmaking journey, you learn about these things and you're like, wow, a lot really does go into that stuff. Um, right. So it, I had a lot of people say no to me and I had enough people that said yes, that we were able to get all of our shoot locations locked down and um, in order. And, you know, I, I think they all worked out for the best. There, there was a reason why everything worked the way it did. Um, but yeah, you're going to run into, into struggles. You know, we had to write script, write, uh, write arounds for the locations, you know, early on, we didn't, uh, I didn't have the finances to, um, do sound. So we recorded everything without sound. And, um, and that sounds kind of crazy, but the main character, Alice, um, she, uh, doesn't really come into contact with anyone during the course of the film except for the monster and you know he's not going to talk to her so <laughs> I didn't right. see there there was there was a need um for dialogue necessarily uh so then that posed another problem for us um how are we going to get the flow of the story across to the audience without you know having any interaction with another human in the movie so we thought, oh, okay, let's get a narrator. Let's let's have this narrated as if it were a fairy tale, okay. and then um, that that was a whole another process. <laughs> um, well, and I, I find it surprising because, well, this is a huge coincidence because last night, uh, what I was writing uh, an unrelated article to this to this coverage. I, I was watching the TV. It's something that I rarely do, but I needed some eye candy. And I mm-hmm. happened to watch Paranormal Lockdown, and one of the episodes was on the Baker Hotel. And now you're talking serious? about. Yes, they were in the hotel. What? Yeah. Wow. That's and now here you were speaking about it. I'm like, wow, that is a huge coincidence. Yeah, actually, actually um, you know, we I approached the um the fire chief and i was like well you know how did all of these other shows gain access to the baker hotel and he was like oh that was before my time and you know mm-hmm. we're just not doing it anymore and and some of them actually just go in you know guerrilla style um, right. without permission and that can be very dangerous and of course get fined and all that stuff yeah, um so i really that. did want to no, and i really wanted to respect the town of mineral wells because they helped me out tremendously right. um, with everything, but that's so crazy. It's it is a, a haunted hotel for sure. Yes. I've, I've been in I've been in it a couple times, and um, it's you do not want to be there by yourself. It's scary. <laughs> oh yeah, I was watching the footage. Uh, you know, it's entertaining, 
So I, I take it as a grain of salt, but yeah, if if that were actual incidences, yeah, I would not want to sleep in there by myself. But, no. <laughs> but I'm glad that everything worked out and that comes with the territory. And you mentioned that uh, this is your first foray into horror films. That's going to be even more complex and more obstacles because there is always those groups of people who say, no, we'll wait. Let's see how you do on your first movie and so on and so forth. You just got to persevere over that. Oh, yes. Um, I, you know, I don't blame anyone for, you know, doubting the project or not wanting to be involved or anything. But, but all in all, I, I've had a ton of support and, it, it's just been amazing to reach out to people who have similar interests as you and, you know, collaborate on something together and, you know, not think it's silly. Like, you know, probably most people will be like, why are you spending so much money and like time on a, like a werewolf movie? Um, <laughs> and I, <laughs> and I why not? It. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> so why, but why not also, you know, if, if anything, you know, I'll be able to look back when I'm, old and be like you know what I tried something and mm-hmm. you know it was it was really fun I had the probably the best weekend of my life the production week that we yes. filmed Red Trash you're absolutely and and that is one thing I, I strongly support it's that moment you don't want to be caught on your deathbed and have regrets just just go with it uh, and you're doing what you you know you spoke about you know having the day job and doing this on your spare time. That's the daily grind you have to dedicate yourself if you have that passion. Yeah, yeah, it's um it's a process that began in January of last year, and you know we're still like in the editing phase and post production. Uh, so it it's been a long time working on it like after hours after work. Um, and also a lot of people are dedicating their, their time to it. Um, the crew that I hired, Savage Henry Productions, had Rob, who is the owner of that, and also our VP, has been amazing. Like, he is an you know, angel sent from heaven. Like, somehow, you know, he found out about my story, and he really was into it, and, uh, you know, his crew is in Houston, so they traveled to mineral wells to shoot everything and and they've just been awesome they've been so enthusiastic and um i was very lucky to meet rob and meet his crew and get on the same page with them like they they just are big fans of 80s horror too so you know it's fun for them to work on this little project because they'd mostly do like corporate videos and things like that (laughs) so so it, it was like it was really fun for everyone involved to be working on something you know so different oh um, exactly but yeah 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 and and in fact this weekend uh rob's shooting some insert close-ups of our monster uh for the film so we can add those in and and i think that's going to be fun for him um but yeah it, it's it's hard when you have real jobs you know and you also want to pursue your passions but you know, that's how you turn your passions into your real job eventually. Yeah, right. That is absolutely correct. And touching on the film itself, 
it has an interesting synopsis. And looking at the teaser trailer and reading the synopsis, uh, you're delving into psychological aspects that involve death and the emotional aspect of uh, taking care of the dead. Uh, tell us a little, without, of course, without delving too deep into the plot about the character and your narration of the story. Sure. Um, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a strange little tale, but I, I think it also hits home um, for a lot of people. Um, here's a, a short synopsis. Uh, Alice is a girl who is addicted to burying roadkill. You know, every people have obsessions. You know, some are, are bad, like drinking and smoking and, you know, other vices, but she has this very peculiar addiction. Um, every time she sees a dead animal on the side of the road, she feels compelled to give it a proper memorial and, and, and bury it and pray for it. Um, and, you know, it's something that I kind of drew just from my own experience. Like, you know, I think everyone feels compassion when they see, you know, something, you know, that used to be alive and is just kind of discard it on the side of the road like a raccoon or a squirrel like even i think anyone would would be like oh that's a shame um so it it does have to do with you know caring and and feeling for something that maybe others may find insignificant um but that that's her thing that's what she does uh and then you know she accidentally very something undead and it is pissed at her (laughs) for doing so and and comes back to stalk her around mineral wells um yeah i I think that's a really interesting point that you bring up that it it is about like death and respect i would say right right. in our in our throwaway culture um you know i think people need to stop and and think like oh this has value and i should i should care about it a little more oh yeah funny that you mentioned that the throwaway culture because i i have my own particular way of seeing how our culture is is uh, like single serving you have single serving friends sometimes you chat with you have single serving moments but nobody just takes the time to appreciate the, the finer things. And when I was reading the synopsis, I'm like, okay, this film would really open people's eyes and say, okay, if you see a discarded animal, it is, that must have been somebody's pet. Or, I mean, animals have families too. <laughs> so you got to see them. That, and it goes deeper into that psychological aspect. Like, appreciate nature and appreciate the world that you're living in yeah absolutely um you know i i didn't really set out to make a film with a deeper meaning i i i just set out to make a horror film but um it really does um deal with that i think and and that's a really nice realization um just hearing hearing you take away all of that from 
uh, Road Trash is such a compliment, and I appreciate that very much. Hey, you're welcome. Uh, you know, horror, horror, horror cinema, is just, that is just a perfect platform for social commentary. And you could just create a creature concept. And there are so many layers that go, so many subtexts. And, and you sit back and wonder, as a filmmaker, say, wow, all these different opinions about this project that I took the time when just creating, and this is what happens. It, our films just sparks conversation. They do. I, I mean, I think it's, I'm biased, but I, I think it's the perfect genre um, for whatever narrative that you're trying to tell. Um, it's, it's, it almost tricks you in a way. Like you go into just kind of be scared and giggle at something and come out of it with like mind-blowing observations about the world around you. And um, that's what I love about it. it it's kind of like, you know, it hits you when you're not, you're not really thinking about it. And, <laughs> and it's fun. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And for this creature concept, you're going practical effects. Uh, was that a choice, uh, a preferred choice from going from CGI or is it an, a, a decision from the budget perspective? Uh, practical effects all the way. I'm I'm a huge fan of practical effects. Uh, I hope if I continue my film career to never use CGI. You should quote <laughs> me on that. <laughs> um, I just really enjoy the way it looks on film. I think it um, for some reason it looks more real, and you you can kind of you know, you you see. For me, I see like the creatures like, oh my gosh, like even though off to the side, there's a million people working mechanics and, you know, there's, you know, guys under puppets and things like that. But I don't know, it, it just looks and feels more real to me. And I think it looks creepier. Um, but uh, it was also a budgetary <laughs> reason. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't really have access to CGI, but um, I would never use it regardless. Um, yeah. I'm just a huge fan of, you know, Joe Dante and uh -huh. John Landis and Toby Hooper. Um, just the things that they were able to do with practical effects is amazing. Um, and I, I hope to follow in that and, you know, find great special effects artists and engineers uh, to help. And we actually had our werewolf suit custom made by midnight studios fx and i think they're out of arizona and they did a wonderful job um i asked them for a roadkill werewolf suit and they gave me one <laughs> <laughs> um and that's really the there's there's two there's two creatures in the in the short film um the werewolf starts out as a skull it's the skull she finds on the ground um, that she buries that ultimately, you know, transforms into the bigger, gorier version, you know, of the, that skull. Um, so we did have two creatures. Um, and my poor boyfriend, God bless his soul, had <laughs> to wear that werewolf in the Texas uh, okay. heat uh, for hours. And, uh, you know, he's a trooper for doing that, and I love him for that. 
Um, but it, it, you know, you'd be surprised what you can you can do with just a man in a werewolf suit and you know get away with it. Um, that's why there's one thing that Joe Dante um, has always said, and it's like don't show the whole creature, you know, because anything your mind is going to fill in what that creature looks like, and it's going to be scarier than 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 anything that like I could give you. Of um, course. So it, it's it's just really fun to be able to play with angles and different shots and lighting to to make something as simple as a man in a werewolf suit look look pretty cool. Right, right. The, those technical and when they're used the correct way, uh, for example, Alien, uh, you do not see the creature until midway through that film. And your mind yeah. is just playing tricks. You don't know what is this creature. You don't know what it looks like. Not even on the movie posters. So, using that technique, you you'll you'll gain a lot of fans just for that reason. Because you once again you throw in the psychological effect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like your mind is actually going to, you know, trick you and like use whatever you're scared of most and fill in those voids for you and you know you just can't you can't replicate that as a a director um you know so it's best to just leave it to the audience to think whatever they are going to take away from it absolutely and what why the werewolf out of all the creatures uh was that a personal fixation with the character or yeah um my boyfriend and I, we just love werewolf movies. Um, you know, we, we would just always come back to like, oh man, like werewolves are so cool and really like underutilized. I, I mean, I guess in the 2000s with the underworld movies, oh, they've become yeah. m- more popular. Um, but still, even in the 80s with uh, the release of The Howling and American Werewolf in London and Wolfen, like all in the same year, uh, that was the first time I think since the fifties that the werewolf was really utilized. Right. Um, so it it like comes and goes, but I've always loved werewolves. Um, I just, you know, think they're badass. <laughs> so. I, I I agree. I agree. And in, I was uh, I was hoping you were you were gonna let, uh, touch on the down period both the werewolf and the vampires with the Twilight movies. Oh my gosh, what what sorrow that film just brings when you see these <laughs> gigantic dogs in comparison to, you know, bipedal creatures that just want to rip your flesh apart. Oh, I know. It's sad. It really is. It's, <laughs> I feel bad for the people who only watch those movies. Like, that's what they think werewolves are. And yeah, giant puppies. It's sad. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and your 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 boyfriend, you mentioned him uh, participating. He's the creature, but he also provides a soundtrack uh, for the film. Yes. Yes, it's a, a huge part of the film, and I'm so excited for him. Because if you could ask me, you know, who in the world would you want, if you could have anybody in the world compose the score for Road Trash, who would it be? And I would immediately say my boyfriend. Like he's he his um his name's James Malone. He's an accomplished musician. He uh he is the front man for death metal band Arsis and also the guitar player in a band called Necromancing Stone. Um he's 
put out five studio albums and his sixth studio album for Arsis will be released later this year. And he is just, I'm, I know I'm biased, but I think he is an amazing musician. And, you know, he mentioned to me that he would like to try to, to compose for film. And, and that's when like, I thought this is going to be great. This will be an opportunity for him to start getting into that and to try his hand at it. And he's just doing an, an amazing job. Like, if you can imagine Fabio Frizi meets Goblin meets death metal, heavy metal, classic metal, like, that's the score. And it's amazing. That's great. Uh, I can't wait to hear. So would there be uh, an accompaniment? for the film in terms of a CD release or something on SoundCloud? Yes, uh, I know he definitely would like to release it um, on its own. Uh, and I, th I think that would be really cool. Because um, I, I think what's great is that the heavy metal community and the horror community intersect all the yes, time. Of course. Um, they, they share a big, you know, fan community. So I think heavy metal fans will be interested in Road Trash and um, because of James and horror fans will be interested in the film um, because it is a horror film, uh, but it might also introduce them to his music. And uh, I just think it's a wonderful marriage of music and horror. And And that's, key when you have a good sound a good score for a film that could make or break a film and yeah it, like kudos for him for for being that's his first time doing it that's that's amazing your first time as a filmmaker his first time as a film composer and i foresee uh good things ahead just with the drive and determination oh thank you ken i appreciate that yes it it's a uh, a Bird Trash is a, a first for a lot of things for for all of us involved. And, um, you know, it, it's a very scary process and it's a very daunting process. But also, it, it's just been an amazing ride so far. And I would encourage anyone who wants to try something that they've never done before to really give themselves a chance. Um, it's going to be difficult and you're going to run into problems. but you know, you're you're not doing something right if you're not running into problems. <laughs> Precisely. So um, it, it's like if I can do it, if I can, you know, take a whack at this horror thing, you know, anyone else out there who is thinking like, oh, you know, I, I, I'd like to do that, but I don't know. You know, just go for it. Yeah, go for it. The thing is, if you fail, at least you said you tried and just do it again until you succeed. And uh, Ab touching, absolutely, yeah, yeah. To touch and base, you mentioned you have a narrator for the film because there is no dialogue. Uh, care to elaborate on this special uh, narrator that you have secured for the film? <laughs> yes. Well, our narrator is super special, and <laughs> the um, <laughs> the horror community will immediately recognize her. Um, it is Miss Heather Lagenkamp, Nancy Thompson from the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. And 
Oh my goodness. I I still get goosebumps whenever I hear her her voice when we're editing. Um I can't believe that she was interested in my little project. Uh but the the story of getting her um is is relatively short, but uh you know, I I couldn't it it was a kind of difficult process. Um so how I got in touch with Heather was I simply emailed her agent. <laughs> I know that go. sounds like <laughs> I know that sounds like too simple to be true, but that's how I did it. Um and then her agent talked to Heather about it and she liked the concept. Um I think she felt connected to Road Trash because she told me that her daughter was really interested in photographing roadkill. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, wow, that's that is so crazy like what a coincidence and what a small world um so it was just one of her daughter's hobbies that she liked to do and so she felt really connected to the script and uh so her agent got back to me and he's like heather's interested um but you know she's a sag member so you would have to become a sag signatory and i'm like okay that's fine i can do that Becoming a SAG signatory is no easy feat, as I learned. Um, it is a mountain of paperwork. <laughs> um, y- yes, it, and anyone, you know, signing a, a SAG actor or actress, which most of them are, right. um, is is a long and a long process filled with lots of paperwork. Um, it took me probably about a month to do all the paperwork. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, but so I filled it out and uh, they approved me, which was amazing. And when everything was approved, we just had to lock down a date and time. And um, I was probably approved in June, but we couldn't work on um get our time together until november of last year oh wow and so yeah so it was a long time me going back and forth with heather's agent you know oh like you know let's when can we set this up and he he was awesome um but it it was a long process uh but eventually we settled on a date and um i've me and james flew out to california to hollywood and this was the first time I'd ever been to California. The first time I'd ever been to LA. The first time I saw the Hollywood Hills and the Hollywood sign for like the very first time in my life. And I was there to work on uh, my movie with Heather Lightencamp. So it was in- incredibly surreal for me. Um, but yeah, so we uh, recorded her narration and she was amazing. I had my doubts. I was like, she's not going to show up. Like, this isn't real. Like, she's, <laughs> she's not going to come. And dang it, she didn't. Heather showed up, and she was amazing. She was the most kind, generous, just lovely, lovely person you'd ever hope to meet. Uh, she was prepared. She had my script in her hand with her notes on it. Uh, I just couldn't believe that this superstar, you know, was excited to be a part of Road Trash. And it was just an amazing experience all around. And 
uh, I am I will forever be grateful to Heather for being a part of this. Uh, that's an amazing story, and it just shows you just send just send the email. the The worst thing that could happen is you just get a no, and uh, just keep on sending them until you get that yes. Yep. That, I mean, if there's there's one thing that I've learned throughout my entire career and through this process of making this short film is that, you know, just send it out there. You know, yeah. if you, if you get an, and if you get a reply, great. You know, if you don't, you know, move on and, and keep working at it. It's most of this is not talent. Like I would, I would not say I'm talented in any way. I'm just persistent. <laughs> and <laughs> That's, that's, a that's really the most valuable <laughs> talent. <laughs> exactly. And um, to close out the interview, uh, please provide you know, um, where can audiences uh, follow Road Trash, social networking, which ones, and so on and so forth. Sure. So we're on Facebook. You can like us on Facebook at Road Trash Film. We're also on Instagram. You can search at Road Trash Film. Um, and we also have a website at roadtrash.com. Actually, roadtrash.com. Make sure it's correct. You don't want people to go through <laughs> I think it's roadtrashfilm.com. Okay. <laughs> but, um, yes, it, I would appreciate it if, if you liked and followed this journey and you know, hopefully it can inspire some other people to, you know, give their dreams a shot. And we'll, I'll be posting updates. And when you can see the film at film festivals coming up, we hope to be at Fantastic Fest in Austin and Scream Fest in LA um, and many others. So you'll definitely catch us later this year at some film festivals. And, and don't forget to submit it to Nightmares Film Festival but especially the Women in Horror Film Festival. We have worked closely with, the, with both last year, reviewing their films. And this film, Road Trash, would fit perfectly with the Women in Horror Film Festival. Oh, yes. We, we definitely are going to submit it to Women in Horror Film Festival. They, they're just doing an awesome job. And I, I love um, this is going to be their second year. And I'm really stoked and, and hope to be a part of it. So how far has the production, uh, you, you're nearing completion uh, at this moment? Yeah, uh, we should be done around late March. So all things finished, wrapped up, and ready to start submitting. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Congratulations on your journey. And the, the, the work, the hard work is semi-done because now it's time for the submission process. So. Uh, it's not over yet. Now you have to promote your product and get the word out there and travel the world. California was just the first stop. Uh, you foresee you may wind up in New York or Canada or some other place that you never thought you'd be at. Yeah, I'm. I'm really, really looking forward to that part of this process. <laughs> <laughs> just enjoying the fruits of you know the labor and and getting you know just having people see it you know whether they like it or not you know it, it doesn't matter I just you know I'm I'm just proud of everyone involved and their hard work and 
you know, we made something and that's cool. Yes. And, and then on to the next one. <laughs> on to the next one, right. <laughs> right. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time and all this information, this backstories, insights on, on your upcoming film. And uh, as I mentioned, best of luck and look forward to seeing the progress, reviewing the film once it comes out. Thank you so much, Ken. I, I really appreciate all your support and DK Mag's coverage of Road Trash. And uh, I will be giving you updates. And, and really, I sincerely appreciate all, all that you do for all of the horror community. The K-Mag is really a source of um, community and and promoting independent horror makers out there. And, and I'm so grateful to you. Thank you.